Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Titans win by three last night over Buffalo. One of the upsets of week six. Titans now four and two in the AFC and gain another game as they move forward in the AFC South. Even though the Colts are trying to keep pace after their blowout win over Houston. All of that and more. We're going to discuss that in just a moment with John McClain. We are broadcasting live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. We have the Tennessee Power Hour coming up at 4 o'clock. And uh, we, uh, we will dissect the Titans uh, in a big way then with plenty of analysis. We'll do it now as well as we welcome in John McClain, who joins us each and every week here on the show, each Tuesday at this time. You can follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. He has covered the league for more than four decades, and he is a Pro Football Hall of Fame selector. He's with the Houston Chronicle, TexasSportsNation.com. John, hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. Your game last night, the Titans beating the Bills, was a lot better than my game. <laughs> the Red Sox beating the brains out of the Astros for the second game in a row. Three grand slams in the first three games. There's never been three in one championship uh, series. Has, uh, try a three-run homer tonight, John. A three-run homer, then maybe you could get to a two-run homer. You're killing me. The Astros' starting pitching has been the worst I've seen in my, since I started watching playoff baseball when I was eight years old in 1960. It's just been awful. And uh, people say, well, they're missing Lance McCullers. Well, they won a game. Lance McCullers would have started the first one. But their last three starters, and remember, during the season, they had the second-best ERA in the American League. They have just been pathetic. Now they're going with Zach Greinke, who hadn't pitched in a long time and didn't pitch well when he did. And they're hoping some pitcher, please, will at least get three innings in. John, for as uh, many years as you've covered this league and as many players as you have voted on for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, when you watch Derrick Henry run the football and put up the numbers that he's able to produce week in and week out and over the last couple of seasons, and then what he did last night, and the primetime stage, what comes to mind for you after all you've watched throughout your career? Jim Brown, the greatest running back I've ever seen, was a power back with speed. That if he lined up to do a 40, which they didn't do in those days, it wouldn't have blown people away. But he ran through them. He ran around them. He broke tackles. Nobody caught Jim Brown from behind. That's why he's the greatest back I've ever seen and one of the four greatest players I've ever seen in the NFL and Derrick Henry what is he 6'3 248 Jim Brown was 6'2 and 230 and remember Brown played came up in 57 he retired in 65 because Art Modell told him he had to leave the filming of the Dirty Dozen uh, one of the all-time great war movies he said no because he was very defiant so he retired I think he was at 29 or maybe just starting 
30, but he deprived a lot of fans from watching a great back. And I've seen Derrick Henry a lot, of course, twice a year. And it's amazing the way he's gotten so great in recent years, but not early in his career. Now, if he'd have been carrying the ball early in his career like he does now, maybe he'd have been worn down. I'm interested to see how Mike Vrabel uses him over the 17-game season because, you know, they want it to be a 20-game season. And uh, But Derrick Henry, I love the way that guy scores on so many long runs. I saw a stat. I think he's got 11 of at least 50, and the way he's going, he may shatter the all-time record. Mike's pretty much in, uh, said he's going to use him as much as he needs to use him to, to win games. So that'll be interesting. 20 carries last night was well off of his pace. John, we've discussed uh, multiple times, and we're doing it again after he had a big game on national TV, the idea that MVP is strictly a quarterback award now. And, uh, you know, I was covering Houston a little bit with you when J.J. Watt had his ridiculous season. I said if, if, if a defensive player can't win it on that year, no defensive player is ever going to win it. If Derrick Henry can't win it, if he does what he's doing now, no non-quarterback's ever going to win it, I don't think. Has that ship sailed? Could a campaign for Derrick Henry work? Or is Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, a quarterback just destined to win it and voters are going to give him Offensive Player of the Year at best? Tell you what would be great for Derrick Henry become the first back in history to have more than 2,000 yards and with the extra extra game uh, set the all-time record. And those kind of things can't be ignored. The problem is there are some quarterbacks who are playing great. And the Titans got to continue to win. As I told you guys, I picked them to run away with the AFC South, and then the key is, could they possibly get home-field advantage? Well, you know what? They're only one game off that pace. I'm not saying they will or even threaten it, but I feel confident in that pick that they'll dominate the division. And I think if Henry did something nobody else has done, like the 2,000-yard seasons, and the better they play, the better it is for him. But I still think, Paul, as unfair as it is, I'd love to see a player like Henry be the MVP, and then have a quarterback as the offensive player of the year. And I like the way we do it. I don't like baseball where they take a guy who's a great player but doesn't make his team any better. Like Shohei Otani over Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Otani had a a season for the ages, and the Angels are terrible. So that's not really an MVP. That's an outstanding offensive player. An MVP to me is a guy – that makes his, his team a contender for the World Series. And so uh, I'm glad that we have it the way we do when we vote in the NFL. John, what did you think of McDermott's options last night on fourth down and in, in ultimately going for the sneak with Josh Allen and Jeffrey Simmons coming through to make the stop and win the game for the Titans? I thought it was interesting that uh, they, they tried to get a little cute. And, you know, when you got that kind of talent, you got a quarterback like Josh Allen, you don't need to do that. I would have put him in the shotgun, given him the option to run, hand off, or throw, instead of just trying to bull his way into the end zone. And plus, the Titans shifted. It was a good call that they shifted right to where he was going to go. I'll tell you what, if they'd have kicked a field goal, maybe they didn't trust their defense, and they thought if the Titans won the toss, that Derrick Henry would take him down the field and score, and it'd be over. And that gave them the best chance. I applaud coaches going for it, unless it's something just really ridiculous, like somebody 
went for it on his own 20 and it backfired. So I, I don't have a problem with it. I just wouldn't have made that call. John, I know you're a pro football historian, so you probably appreciated this like I did. It was a failed play, but I love Mike Vrabel attempting to troll the Bills with a throwback. Uh, it wasn't on a kickoff this time. It was on a punt return. But what did you think about that attempt where the Titans had the trick play set up that was eerily similar of the Music City Miracle? Well, they, you know what? I thought it was good, too, especially since it's against the Bills. Cool. I was in the press box that day. I was down in a booth with longtime uh, Oiler Titan employees, Don McLaughlin and Stuart Spears and Steve Underwood. And after uh, they kicked a field goal, I said, I said, you <laughs> this is what I said in Buffalo after they blew the game. I turned around to the PR guy, Chip Namius. I said, you guys are losers. You always were. You always will be. And then when Steve Christie kicked that extra point at field goal, I said, you guys are losers. You always have been. You always, you, you always, yeah, yeah. Holy bleep. <laughs> they ought to put some competent players on the field if they're going to try something like that. Not a guy who throws the ball three yards forward. That was, yeah. It was a bad, it was a bad attempt. You got to know geometry a little better than uh, throwing the ball the that special far Special teams coach. He, he told me last week, they don't judge kickoff returns by yardage. I said, "What the hell do you? What the hell do you judge it by?" Then retaining possession. He said, "Yeah, in yardage, we're not doing so well, but there are other facets." I go, "What other facets are you judging kick return by?" This guy is. Is your guy White check out of retirement? White check snapped back. He snapped back at Adam Schefter last night, who can't who can't be near Nissan Stadium without insisting that it was a forward lateral. Um, and well, so ESPN Wycheck, can't be near, near Nissan Stadium without showing the Music City Miracle. Yeah, so Wycheck snapped back and he said, hey, <laughs> I, I threw it, so I disagree. It, it was a lateral, and uh, I couldn't resist. I, I tweeted back. I said, what did Bruce Allen think? I, I'm, uh, I also have to give a shout-out to our buddy Ooh. Lebowski who tweeted out during that broadcast. So, guys, I'm confused. Is Dawson Knox from Nashville? <laughs> you guys weren't watching the broadcast, but every over over. mention of Dawson Knox – Guys, the Nashville native Dawson Knox, and there's a, you know that he's from right down the road at Brentwood Academy. I mean, it was over and over again. How how would you like Joe Buck? The uh, Astros started a center fielder Jose Siri, and he came up late in the year from the minors. So we heard all this there. How many times is Joe Buck going to go? Hey Siri, <laughs> I got sick of it after the first one. John, we're seeing a trend change across the league on fourth down. In, in Josh Allen's attempt last night. Uh, brought up this stat for me this season teams have gone for it on fourth down 256 times already and through week five last year teams attempted to go for it they kept their offense on the field 188 times so going into week six before the games kicked off teams had attempted 211 fourth down tries to 188 through five games last year and if you go back just a decade in 2011, teams had through week five had attempted 125 fourth down attempts. They are offenses are much more aggressive. They're not afraid to keep offenses on the field. What does that signal to you? Analytics, and the fact that coaches are, don't feel the pressure they used to from their owners, their general managers, their fan base, their media, because everybody understands analytics. Now, if you do it in your end of the field and it backfires, that's one thing. But if you're across midfield or at midfield and you've got a good quarterback 
or you got a good defense, then you could be you wouldn't nobody would be surprised if you, even if you were on your end of the field. It's more exciting. I mean, let's be honest. The kicking game today, kickoffs have been neutered. You just don't see kickoff returns for touchdowns anymore because studies showed most of the players who had injuries on kickoffs were serious. And even the punts, the punters are so good with hang time and direction. You don't see a lot of those. So going forward and fourth down, I think is tremendous. I've always wished they'd outlaw the extra point. This was before they moved it back. Never thought they'd move it back because it was automatic. Make everybody go for two points. But now they've moved it back. At least there's a little excitement. Instead of people jumping up to go to the bathroom, they at least wait to see if the guy got it. And I think it's tremendous for the game that they do it. And I think it's good that people understand why they are. Certainly exciting. Teams have converted 128 of those 256 attempts. So the analytics this year tell you that you're going to get it 50% of the time. Last year, they converted 59.3% of the time on fourth down through this point of the season. Scoring is down roughly three points per game, by the way, compared to last year uh, overall. And maybe that's indicative of the fourth down tries that are not converting uh, at the high rate that they were a year ago. John, how are you feeling about your uh, Super Bowl Cleveland Browns. Uh, I've been talking through, and I, I like a lot about the Browns, but if you look at what they've done, I think if you're a Browns fan, you could say, yeah, we beat three teams that aren't great, and the three times that we had a chance, uh, we've made some good showings, not this week, but we haven't done it against against the good teams on our schedule. They've been uh, built around the running game. Nick Chubb was out injured. Kareem Hunt went down injured. He's not going to be back for a while Thursday night, Chubb won't be back. When you build everything around your running game and you want Baker Mayfield to be a game manager, you're going to have problems. Mayfield hurt his shoulder, his left shoulder, uh, trying to make a tackle on an interception in the second game of the season against the Texans. He stayed down. Then he came back in. Now it's popped out a few times. Now it's hurt worse. And I don't know what they're going to do. If he has surgery, he's done for the year. But uh, they can't keep having a quarterback whose shoulder pops out. That's just not right. And I don't know what they're going to do Thursday night when they don't have their running backs and a quarterback, even though it's not his throwing shoulder. It still affects his motion, his fundamentals, everything. But I'm eager to see how they do. And right now, Cincinnati is ahead of Cleveland. Cleveland, Pittsburgh tied for last place. The Bengals, you talk about big surprises that are good. The Bengals would have to be one. The bad surprise that's terrible is Miami. Miami's lost five in a row. Even Tua Tagovailoa came back through for 327 yards, and they still lost. Brian Flores was everybody's newest genius last year after winning 10 games. Adam Gase won 10 games one season, and now he's making a slew of bad coaching decisions, and they're getting pummeled by everybody. And their only victory was – by one point at New England when Damian Harris lost a fumble, I think, into the end zone. So the Dolphins, to me, are the most disappointing team in the NFL. A lot to get to from last week's games. We mentioned the Browns. They lost to the Cardinals, who are now 6-0. and Four of those wins on the road. We'll get John's perspective on Arizona, where they now have three of their next four at home, including the Texans, which is where John will be this coming week. Cowboys beat the Patriots. Uh, they continue their winning ways. Colts pummeled the Texans. We'll get into Indy trying to keep 
pace in the AFC South and doing all they can uh, by taking care of teams like the Texans. All of that and more with John McClain straight ahead. First, though, Aurora Nutriscience, uh, keeping you mentally sharp and ready for the day, healthy uh, for the weeks ahead. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them most, your body. VitaLifeScience.com is the website, V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com. This is where you can see more information, and our OutKick 360 season ticket holders receive a 15% discount at the site with the code OutKick360. Typical pills and capsules for vitamins, supplements, not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. But here's Aurora, unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use vitamin C, vitamin D3, glutathione, to name some. Simple single-use packets. Grab and go in the mornings. They taste great. Aurora supplements also help you if you're a weekend warrior. If you take medication for high cholesterol, Aurora can help you there as well. Visit vitalifescience.com, V-I-D-A lifescience.com for more info. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360, vitalifescience.com. Just how good was Jonathan Taylor running the football on Sunday? John McClain's about to tell us. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. First, though, Paul, we go around the league a little bit more. Well, DK Metcalf was very foolish for uh, his second-to-last play, I think, in that Seattle-Pittsburgh game. But there was nothing questionable about it, John, that dictated a review from the booth. Now, probably there's a second left on the clock, even if uh, if the spike play played out as it did. Mike Tomlin doesn't seem satisfied with what the league told him about the review. What, why is the league reviewing that play? I have no idea if Mike Tomlin doesn't know. I sure don't know. DK Metcalf made a dumb mistake when he should have gone out of bounds. Shannon Sharp called him out on it, and Metcalf took on Sharp like he doesn't know he's in the Hall of Fame. Doesn't know when he retired, he led all tight ends and catches and uh, yards. And Shannon Sharp is exactly right. But why the league would review something like that is ridiculous. And then to not get a straight answer makes no sense. That's that's one of those plays. And these are rare. I think fans go too quickly to it. But that's a play that makes it look like the fix is in. Yeah, except for the fact that they recovered it. Yeah, but in terms of the clock stoppage situation there, uh, now it turns out there probably would have been a second on the clock, but that looks like the league's doing a favor to get the clock stopped for no for no reason. Uh, that that one concerns me on the betting front. Like it was odd because the you know the the teams were coming out of the field, the Steelers were celebrating, the referee blew his whistle, was waving his arms, and I'm thinking, yeah, he's just trying to get the you know the bench back up to the sideline because. They need to check the time. They need to review to see how much time is left when the ball was spiked. And then he announces that the previous play was under review. And I'm, Why? Everything was officiated properly except for that angle of it where they got buzzed from the top. Very strange. Yeah, for, and not, for sure. And not transparent enough. John, how good was Jonathan Taylor against uh, the, the, the Texans? I, I looked up at one point in this game, and the Colts had only ran, what, 31 plays through three quarters against Houston? Well, first of all, Jonathan Taylor had one great play, and the rest were no big deal. Oh, okay. He had, oh. he had six yards at halftime. Then he had an 83-yard run. 
and that's what got his stats up there. And then he scored the last two touchdowns, but it was very misleading. They didn't use him much in the first half. And as bad as the Texans are, uh, they were still only down 10-3 at halftime. And the Texans in their last two road games, they've been outscored 71-3. to And the last time they scored a touchdown on the road was the fourth quarter at Cleveland in the second game of the year. Now they're going to Arizona. Carson Wentz, you guys mentioned him earlier. In his last three games, the Colts are 2-1. He has 853 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions. And his lowest rating in that time is 117. Now, he's going to have to do it against some big boys to see if people are going to be impressed because they've beaten Miami and Houston for their only victories, and they are 2-10. and ten. Um, they're not even waiting for fire sale for the trade deadline. Are they just dumping veterans now? They're cutting guys who aren't playing, who haven't been productive. Andre Roberts, Texans got rid of him. Pro Bowl kick returner, he hadn't done squat. And uh, Whitney Merciless had three sacks, but he had less pressure on, uh, on the quarterback than any of their defensive linemen. And he went to them like J.J. Watt, said, if I'm not going to play, let me go. They said, okay. It was one of those Really, a mutual parting of the ways. Merciless talked to the media today after a charity appearance, and he's going to be missed a lot because he's a first-class act who did a lot off the field. But now he's got a chance, and I don't know. He's not going to get a big contract. He'd probably get the minimum little signing bonus to maybe catch on with a team that's got a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And there are players that the Texans should be trading by November 2nd to uh, get some draft choices. And uh, Deshaun Watson would not be one of them. Merciless have much left. Mike Vrabel's obviously uh, pretty familiar with him from working together in Houston. And the Titans are not loaded at outside linebacker depth. Why not? I mean, Whitney plays hard. He's not the player he used to be. But uh, maybe he went from a 3-4. He struggled last year. 4-3, playing with his hand on the ground. He had three sacks, but he, his snaps, at percentage of snaps compared to the other players had diminished. And that's why... He, ask out and i'm i'm guessing if if uh mike vrabel is looking for a veteran outside linebacker and to come off the bench i think wouldn't he be a good one john what a week for urban meyer the first john gruden takes the negative spotlight off of him then he wins his first game in the nfl with that win over the dolphins what'd you make of the jags yeah, he's going, yeah he said thank you to john gruden um it's interesting. They didn't have a field goal going into that game. Only team in the league didn't have a field goal. Josh Lambeau, he just hit the wall. Then he got hurt. And so they signed a software engineer who played three games with the Steelers last year. He had been activated the week before, 0 for 1. Then he goes out. Matthew Wright, I think it's Matthew Wright, says, yeah. Yep. Kicked 40, 54 yard field goals. He's only 174 pounds. I don't know how they do it. And then he lines up. You talk about great strategy. If it hadn't been for Brian Flores calling a timeout and letting the Jaguars think about it, they were going to do a Hail Mary and then go to overtime. And Trevor Lawrence talked to Urban Meyer into it and said, hey, it's fourth and eight or fourth and seven. We can get the first down with a second left. He hit LaVishka Chenault on the slant route. They got it with one second left and right uh had a kick hurt all around Jacksonville to snap a 20-game losing streak and to move into a last-place tie with the Houston Texans, one game behind the Indianapolis Colts. John Kyler Murray and the Cardinals offense, they do it again against a good Browns defense, and they did it without their head coach. They did it without the quarterback coach. 
an assistant wide receiver coach, was calling plays to Kyler Murray on Sunday, and they blow out the Browns 37-14 the final. They're 6-0. and They have won four games on the road. Three of their next four are at home. You mentioned they play Houston this week. What do you make of the Cardinals and the fact that they did it the way they had to do it this week due to COVID protocol? When J.J. Watt asked for his release and got it from the Texans, we thought he wanted to go to the Super Bowl contender. And I remember saying, why in the world would he go to Arizona? They didn't even have a winning record. They lost their last two games. They're 8-8. Eight and eight. They play in the toughest division in the NFL. Did he want to get reunited with DeAndre Hopkins that bad? And now Watt looks like a genius. Something to keep in mind, their offense has been prolific. They're averaging 32 points a game. If you take out the 17 points they scored in their win over the 49ers, they'd be averaging 40, 35 points a game. And that offense has been tremendous. A.J. Green has been reborn in the desert. DeAndre Hopkins already has six touchdown catches, putting him on a pace for 17, which would shatter his career high with the Texans of 13. So, and Christian Kirk, he's got three really good receivers, and they got two good running backs in Drake and Edmonds, and they got a balanced offense, and they're playing from ahead, so the opponents are playing from behind and trying to play catch-up, and it's just it's. – I'm happy for Cliff Kingsbury. I've known him for a while. I like him, and, of course, he's taken all kinds of grief, the fact that he wasn't there, but he was connected with them. And the assistant receivers coach – I know it's Whipple. His dad is uh, Mark Whipple is a longtime is offensive coordinator at Pitt, longtime NFL assistant. But that shows you what kind of confidence that Kingsbury had in him, and he turned out looking like a genius. Murray, you know, you talk about MGP candidates. He's been tremendous. He's probably playing for a new contract. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson's playing for a new contract, and those two guys are playing their tails off. And they may, may, they may uh, blow away that deal Josh Allen signed in the offseason. Yeah, solid game by Baltimore. We'll get to them in a moment. Yeah. Um, the Cowboys, John, 35-29 winners over the Patriots. Crazy finish uh, and just a stretch run of that fourth quarter where there was big play after big play. Trayvon Diggs with another pick six. He has seven interceptions on the season, multiple return for a touchdown. Their defense has greatly improved with Dan Quinn. We know what Dak Prescott's doing. He's in the MVP conversation. Their run game is uh, gives enough punch to offset what they're doing in their passing attack, and it's it's also very good. Their offense is balanced. What are the Cowboys capable of? Well, let me talk about the Patriots right quick. The week before, Davis Mills had the best game against the Bill Belichick defense for a rookie quarterback in Belichick's 20 years in New England. Then Dak Prescott comes and throws for more yards against Bill Belichick defense than any quarterback. So Patriots got problems on defense. When the Texans played them two weeks ago, they were fifth overall and fourth against the pass. Now they have plummeted. They've given up the 318 to Mills, 440-something to Prescott, and that was supposed to be the strength of the team while they played with rookie quarterback and Mac Jones. So Cowboys got balance. They get uh, Lyle Collins back from his suspension this week. Dan Quinn's done a tremendous job there after Mike Nolan did a terrible job there, and they've overcome injuries on their defense. And one of the great comeback stories is Randy Gregory. He had he wasn't suspended as many times as uh, Josh Gordon, but he was suspended a lot. 
And people always talked about, man, he's a good guy. He works hard. He just can't keep from testing positive. And this year, he seems to have gotten his life together, and he's done a really good job. And you like to see feel-good comeback stories like that. John, good teams in this league tend to take care of the very bad teams in this league. Cincinnati took care of Detroit this weekend. Do you feel like Cincinnati has become a good team in this league this year, or do you still need to see more from the Bengals? Chad, like it's hard to believe in the Bengals. I mean, they're four and two. Pittsburgh and Cleveland are three and three. Cleveland's going down because of injuries. Steelers are, you know, they needed a late play by TJ White to be Geno Smith making his first start in four years. So I, they may beat a couple of teams, but the key is if the Bengals, they're not going to win the division over Baltimore, and they've got a big game coming up against the Ravens. But uh, Zach Taylor has done a tremendous job. Joe Burrow has played really well. I don't know that I've ever seen a time when there were so many good young quarterbacks and so, so many good young receivers and say their first three years in the league as there is in the NFL right now. But I want to say, I want to look at the Bengals, like a lot of teams, at the, well, there's no midway points. So I'll say after nine games and see where they stand. But what they've done right now is impressive. At this time of year, there's always some teams that jump out and people go, man, they're doing well. Like uh, Denver started 3-0 and and they beat three terrible teams. Now they're 3-3. Three and three. The most impressive performance I saw over the weekend was the Raiders because nobody knew how they were going to react to the controversy, react to John Gruden being fired. And then uh, they go to Denver, play one of their big rivals, and they beat them up. They're 4-2. and two. I think they should get a lot of credit for a tremendous performance. Well, and John, they're obviously in a very tough division. That's, that's the game I was going to ask you about next. We joked about Gruden earlier, but what a response from the Raiders. Do you feel like this is a one-week bounce-back response after a lot of wackiness going on around that organization? Or do the Raiders have the players and, and the setup to make a run in the AFC West? They're sitting there at 4-2 right now. Chad, like, they can't run the ball. I thought they are going to be able to run the ball if they've had injuries. Remember, they rebuilt their whole their entire offensive line except for one player. And Derek Carr played really well. I'm curious to see how he'll play without Gruden looking over his shoulder with his 15-word plays and adjustments. Gruden's system, really complicated. And I don't know. You know, I, I don't see them finishing ahead of the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs won. They're one game behind them. Chargers look just awful at Baltimore. I'm still picking the Chiefs to win that division. We talked about, let's see where they are after nine games. I'm guessing the Chiefs are going to be in first place, and maybe the Raiders are in third, challenging the Chargers for second. But I And I still think Denver is going to be last. But I want to see some more of the Raiders because, as you guys know, sometime when a coach is fired, and even though they said he resigned, you get this, this adrenaline rush on the team, and they – they come together and bond, and they go out and put out a great effort, and then they come back down to earth. Dan Campbell's really worn his heart on his sleeve uh, in the early days of his term as coach of the Lions. He seemed to kind of be considering whether he was going to go in on golf while he was answering a question about his quarterback, and he did pretty assertively uh, say that he needed more from uh, from from his quarterback. What did you think about that answer 
and what he had to say about Jared Goff. Quarterbacks usually don't get called out by their coaches like that. That is directed for Goff and his upcoming game at the Rams. There was talk, oh, well, like Dan Campbell benched Jared Goff. No way he's going to bench him before he plays against his former team. I think he just thinks he needs to be motivated a little, more focused. I don't know. Goff goes from L.A., living the life, making $33 million a year to Detroit. And, and the Lions are terrible, of course, the only winless team right now. And, um, and so I, I'm sure he would like for Goff to go in there and show Sean McVay, not that he made a mistake, but that uh, he can still fling it. And he can fling it to the right people. So I think that's what it was. Now, if he bombs out a couple more games and looks terrible, and he hadn't been terrible, but uh, it's pretty obvious that uh, Campbell's putting the onus on him. And Campbell used to play. He knows what that does. And hopefully it'll have the right psychological effect and not the wrong one. John Lamar Jackson surpassed Dan Marino for the most wins by a starting quarterback before the age of 25. Lamar now has 35 victories. You passed Dan, who had 34. And what's interesting about that number is Lamar Jackson has one playoff win of those 35 victories as the starting quarterback. With where he's improved in the passing game and the fact that the Ravens are making this offense work despite losing J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, their third string back to start the season, and replacing them with Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray and Le'Veon Bell... This, this offense keeps humming. Their defense is a playmaking defense. Baltimore is atop the AFC North, but are they ready to really make a push in the playoffs this year with Lamar Jackson at quarterback? Well, that's the big question because people want to see Lamar Jackson win in the playoffs now. And he's been great in regular season. He's thrown the ball well. He's brought them from behind throwing the ball, not running the ball. He's been tremendous, legitimate uh, MVP candidate. But I'll tell you what, John Harbaugh, of all the good coaching jobs he's done, he's won a Super Bowl. This has got to be the best. I don't know of another head coach who's lost his top three running backs and has come back and been as good as the Ravens are. And so I think the Ravens, they're going to beat the Bengals. Jackson's going to keep playing well. And unfortunately for him, because he's already been an MVP, and his team has been great. He's judged on playoff wins. And I'd love to see him get him. I think it'd be a great story. Lamar Jackson finally gets to the Super Bowl. It's going to be fun to watch that game between uh, the Ravens and Bengals. It will, it, it will, maybe it's hyped up as much as the Ravens and Chargers. I think there's intrigue about Joe Burrow and what he's done, although there's much more attention paid to the Chargers. Uh, the Bengals take care of business. They're in a position now where they've actually won a division game outside of the month of December for the first time in a long time. I know for the first time in this coaching staff's regime. Um, they did that in Pittsburgh. Can they go on the road and win in Baltimore in mid middle of October? Six-point spread. That, that would absolutely uh, set the stage for an epic finish in that division, John. That would be humongous. I don't know anybody in their right mind who would pick the Bengals to win this game because the Ravens are playing so well. I go back to last season. If Joe Burrow had not blown out his knee, would he or Justin Herbert been the NFL offensive rookie of the year? Because Burrow was playing really well too. That would have been a frenetic race. Yes. And uh, Lamar Jackson just had a great game against Herbert. Now I expect he's going to have a great game 
against Joe Burrow. And, and the unheralded guy there is Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator. John Harbaugh has been like Sean McDermott, very fortunate to not lose his coordinators to head coaching jobs. In the Ravens' case, they got Greg Roman offense, Dwink Martindale on defense, and they have done a tremendous job year in and year out. And Greg Roman, who started as a coach with the Texans when their franchise was born in 2002, he has done a tremendous job of coaching, adjusting, and let's, let's be honest, helping Lamar Jackson become a better passer. When the, when the Titans beat them two years ago, everything the next season was take away the middle, make him throw to the boundaries. That's what the Titans did, and he didn't do it. Well, didn't he have over 500 yards? He just didn't do it well enough. So he's become a passer who can throw now to the boundaries, and a lot of credit goes to the coaches and him as well. And I'll tell you something else. I sure hope he doesn't come down with COVID-19 again. He's already had it twice. Yeah. Think how that could derail their season. No doubt. John McClain, you can follow him on Twitter, at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. John, thank you as always. We love doing this with you each and every Tuesday. Great visit. Thanks. Hey, Jonathan Paul and Chad Lack, thank you guys very much as always. John McClain, every Tuesday with us here on the show. Coming up, Chad bloodied the nose of a child last night, and it wasn't one of his own. This is Outkick 360. So with Roe, coaches multiple sports. This is going to be good. He's extremely competitive. And now he's coaching basketball. Outkick 360 rolls on. Uh, I have I have said that this will be his favorite sport to coach because it's his favorite sport. But I also predict it will be the most frustrating on Chad challenge. because of the skill level of what of, of who he's coaching, the, the age group. And uh, practice last night, um, spoiler alert, a child left with a bloody it was nose. Bloody. He said initially when he was really puffing up his chest and starting this job that the first five practices, three practices, no balls. But he yielded to uh, a more all authoritarian balls. coach. All balls. And it turned out to, to be for all, all balls. balls. And one of these balls apparently bloodied some well, young girl's is, face. Chad, they, the, it's tough to mandate <laughs> and, and ban all basketballs when, when the girls bring, they each bring a basketball yes. to practice. So, uh, but if is, there were no balls, there would have been no blood. This practice was pro balls. <laughs> yeah, so the girls bring, it's, it's first and second grade girls basketball. And uh, they all show up. We're divided into two teams at my daughter's school. And I'm the assistant coach of one of the teams, but there's three coaches. So there is a mom that's coaching one team. I am coaching with a buddy of mine who is the head coach who's done this before and is terrific with all the girls. He, he knows the ins and outs. He knew to have sort of this basketball tutorial to start practice for the first 15 or 20 minutes just going through the vocabulary of the game. What is offense? What is defense? <laughs> Where is this? This is half court. That's the baseline. This is the side. This is inbounds. This is out of bounds. First, I mean, this, these are things you got to do the first time anyone's know, played a sport that you got to explain it's it. Well, extremely frustrating. It's, yeah, it's very difficult. <laughs> little and every girl has a basketball uh, there. So we're playing this game where it's sort of a full court one-on-one drill where we're trying to teach the principles of you stay in between the player and the basket. Okay. If you're on defense... There's the player. The basket's behind Defend you. Defend the goal. Right. We were telling them, put your butt towards the basket, and then you're going to look there, keep them in front of you, and keep, stay in between 
the player, the offensive player, and the basket. So to do that, they'd go full court. One girl would try to dribble, usually unsuccessfully, down the court <laughs> while the other girl was playing defense. So they get done and with one of the drills, and everyone's got their own basketball. These aren't provided by the school. So some of the girls brought the very old school outdoor rubber basketballs that we all know about. Oh, yeah. The Dry ones that get ball. extremely cold in the fall and winter when you're playing with it and very slick. So girls get done with a one-on-one drill. I look up the court. I'm kind of leading the next drill coming my way. I've got her basketball that she's left behind. I say, whose ball is this? Who wants it? And the girl waves her arm. I try a full court, probably at least half court. I've done it many times before. One-handed bounce pass <laughs> looking this way. It's a perfect bounce pass. But what I didn't account for was the rubber surface of the ball <laughs> not being a leather basketball. So the bounce went slightly higher than I wanted and went right off of her nose and how, off of her face. How old is this child? I, I saw it, but she just kept playing. She's a, uh, she's a second grader. So this is a first and second grader. She was definitely one of the older girls. So it bounced on her face, and she just goes back to the end of the line. So I'm thinking, all right, good. I avoided disaster there. She's fine. Well, the next thing I know, I turn She's around. She's a late bleeder. The, the parents are to my back, and I turn around, and I say, oh, what, what's wrong? And the mom turns and says, you bloodied her nose. And I said, oh. Good and job. I didn't want to. It was one of those where Way I didn't want to admit guilt because I didn't even say I was sorry. Because of the lawyers. Yeah, because I'm like, what if I said I'm sorry? And then she takes me to court, and suddenly we're in some, well, he said he Guilty. was sorry. So I'm like, oh, I, she didn't catch it, I think was my first response. Like, she couldn't she Put couldn't the catch blame the on her, yeah. So anyways, I, Why know, can't I, she catch that? I thought for a second the mom was fine. I was like, stuff. well, she, her nose is bloody, and she was, you know, calm. And the, first off, the, the player, the young girl, bailed me out because she was completely strong, tough, no problem at all, no tears. Excellent. She's just looking Excellent. up to the sky, no problem. You know, finally... What's the level of blood flow? The no, I didn't even see any blood, to be honest with you. But they're saying that it's bleeding. That's the way you don't see color. You don't see blood. I, I didn't see blood. I mean, she kept the, she kept claiming that her nose was bleeding. They were looking up. I never saw the blood. But the mom had a napkin out and was doing something. Exhibit anyway, A. That, that, call that exhibit well, A. She gets back into she gets back into the practice, and I come back over. I didn't see any blood again. I didn't see it on the napkin or anything else. I'm not, not exhibit A. I'm not saying they're lying. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to say that Taylor One wasn't concussed last night either because I don't know. There's a lot of people speculating on that too. Who knows? I don't know. I, I, I'm not in in her head. A little doctor coming see out here. So anyway, she goes back in the drill. So to smooth things over with the moms, because I could tell there's a little bit of tension behind me. Like, who is this? Go you over know, and give a shoulder who's massage. Who's this large dad that just bloodied the nose of my seven-year-old daughter? Um, I come back over, and I've got her ball that she's put over by the stage. And I start walking towards the moms, and I say, Eloise's mom? And she says, yeah. I was like, I'm going to roll this to you so I don't bloody the nose of two family members tonight <laughs> over there. And then the moms immediately started laughing and loved it. What and, a charmer. Uh, everything was fine. And uh, subpoena being <laughs> delivered this evening. Yeah, so now if they come back to practice and you know there's been some sort of issue, her nose is broken, didn't know about it, I'll be in, in more trouble. Yeah. This, this, by the way, is not the first time I've done this. When I was in high school, I coached a seven- and eight-year-old boys team as like a community service outreach thing. Yeah, for, and for, uh, to go I, with time served. I broke the nose of a kid because we would play two on five and I, I, I just up. turned this way to get the ball <laughs> and the kid is back here. No, literally, I'm not trying to like do anything physical. I just move Chad, my arm back to the ball backwards. and spinning I mean backwards. 17 year old elbow off seven year old face <laughs> and I immediately was like, I just rearranged this kid's face. 
And I look back, and his nose is off to the side. <laughs> There's blood coming out. He's screaming, crying. I had to take him into the bathroom. Mom was completely cool with it, shockingly. <laughs> what is That's it? one where if I'm the mom, I'm like, yeah, maybe you guys shouldn't be playing with these six- and seven-year-old What did kids. the juvie court have to say about that one? I'm still here, Paul. I'm still here. I'm He's, not still going He's still long, coaching. It's a long history of child abuse. And I'm going to keep coaching. I'm Good. coaching softball tonight. Good fact. luck to your children. Who wants it? Who's going to get hit by a softball tonight? <laughs> Chad's pitching tonight. Beware. He's yeah. pitching. He's on the mound. High and tight. Don't crowd just, my plate. Uh, never mind the spider tack. It's just blood. Don't, Titans. Don't crowd my plate, Kaylee. Bills recap next on Outkick 360.